even when things are tough, you just you, you pound through, you just keep making your calls, you keep writing your offers. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hey guys, welcome to another show um, of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Today I am with Mike Del Preet. You guys, if you follow me at, at all, you know that me and Mike have done quite a few deals together. We're close friends and he is an awesome real estate investor here in the city of Phoenix. So just a little bit about Mike. Mike is a full-time real estate investor and all-around problem solver. He is known for providing top-of-the-line advice and strategies to help new and experienced investors achieve tangible results that create cash flow. Prior to real estate investing, Mike held a leadership position in the mortgage and wireless industry. Mike is currently a wholesaler, landlord, consultant, Airbnb super host. Man, we're going to touch on that super host status and has his own rental portfolio and has completed over 500 real estate transactions in the last eight years. He is a member of ASRIA, which is the Arizona um, Arizona Real Estate Investors Association and Arizona Multi-Family Housing Association. Mike has authored several books and has been on several national podcasts. And we want to welcome Mike to the show today. So Mike, Dale Preet from Phoenix, man, how are you? Wonderful, Marcus, man. Thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, you know, it's, it's always my pleasure to have you on again. I consider you a close friend, man, and, and a confidant and uh, an all-around good guy. So be, kind of awesome. before we get started, man, I know I kind of touched in on your bio. What's something that I may have missed, man? I know you're, you're all around in Phoenix, so what's something that I may have missed that you're currently doing? Because I know you're like a rock star. Currently, yeah. Um, you know, well, I'm the member of the Ezria. Obviously, you may know I uh, up that to, um, you know, I'm an instructor uh, down there now. So I'm teaching, uh, you know, basic core classes that you need to become a real estate investor, comping, raising capital, creative financing, um, I lead the beginners group uh, down there, so it's been a great experience uh, working with the staff and and helping all the the investors down there. So uh, that's a little new. And then um, since the last time we discussed on your YouTube channel, um, the call center, like I said, we we, we launched a call center. Uh, we're we're doing outbound lead gen and um, inbound customer service for other industries and in the real estate industry. So. Okay. Okay. Great. So I know we talked about, you know, what you had in your bio that you were in the wireless industry and mortgage industry before. What prompted you to get started in real estate, man? Um, you know, so really, you, you know, some of us, I, I may repeat myself a couple of times. I know there's be new people watching, but it's, uh, um, you always have that, that desire inside that, you know, you deserve 
or, or want, you know, more than what you're capable of doing. So I was fighting that for a long time. Right. So, you know, obviously when you have a young family, kid, wife, you got to provide. So I was in the nine to five world. Um, like I said, in the mortgage and, and wireless. Um, but it was back when, uh, in the wireless industry, you know, customer service nine to five, um, there was, that was the, the start of the recession. Okay. Back. Well, this was like, you know, 09, you know, it was going on. Um, so that I was working, even though I enjoyed where I was, it was a great place. I just knew it wasn't it. And then you started seeing and people were talking about how houses were 10, 15 grand. Uh, whereas I just recall a year, a couple of years ago, a good buddy of mine was flipping houses. He was making a hundred grand a deal. It was just a, he was a young guy making all this money. And I was, just, you know, I didn't really pay attention to it. I just knew it happened. So my gut was like, why you know things are cheap now but they were expensive there that that just drew my curiosity to look further so then okay you know what i mean then i started digging into uh fixing flipping watching hgtv landlord i started researching everything so i and i just felt you know that was my path you know you know what i mean so knew something i needed to do something better i was better than where i was at gotcha and you know what a lot of people they they find themselves in that position where they say Hey, you know what? I don't want to be on this nine to five. I got to do something different. But that's all they do is they say, I got to do something different and never take that leap and never take that jump. You know, before you went from, you know, working your nine to five to that full time real estate investor leap, you know, kind of what were some of the things that were fearful that you that you had to consider or some of the things that make you want to say, well, I don't know if this is what I should be doing. Great. That's a big question, right? So, um, one, I didn't even think wholesaling was real. You know what I mean? Like there, I mentioned there was a guy on YouTube, he had a hundred free videos. I just watched them all and applied them. So that's how I got started in to get my first deal. But I remember I reached out to him and I was like, is this real? Like, I just, I really asked him that. He's like, yeah, man, it's real. <laughs> you know, why would he create a hundred videos on it? Right. So even to that point, you know, I saw all the online forums, blogs, people doing it, it's all there, but I didn't want to believe it. Right. You know, I think it, it I think it's that, um, you know, am I going to be able to, uh, make extra money? Am I going to be able to pay the bills, my mortgage, daycare, car bill, gas, like just everything. Those are like all the things running through your head. So you got a, a lot of, a lot of fear, uh, and unknowns. Right. So it's like, so it comes to a point where you got to look at it like, well, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen, right? Like if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. If I do right. it, I'll find out if it's real, you know, if it's going to work or not. Right. So you just got to go out. So I just chose to do it. And, um, find out if it's real or not in it and thankful thank god you know panned out so okay all right so i know you said you watched 100 free free videos and everything like that so who did you follow man who was your inspiration who really uh kind of led the way for you in order to to learn how to wholesale how to get into real estate investing well so i wouldn't say like you know i was all over all over I was like a info junkie, you know what I mean? So um, I was, you know, obviously at that time, the fix and flip shows on TV were, were hot, right? So I always enjoyed watching those. Like that guy, Armando Montalongo, I always thought he was cool. I know sometimes he gets a bad rap, but um, I enjoyed watching the show, I watching that show, right? So then you jump into 
jump into the forums and online, there was that guy Tyrone Taylor that I watched all um, the videos on. And then there was like bigger pockets. Um, so just whoever was putting out a lot of information, you know, we're talking eight, nine years ago. So it wasn't as big as it is today. You could hop on Instagram, Facebook, everyone's wow. teaching it. Um, so I think it was kind of like having my own um, mastermind of some sort. Like I just liked a little something from everybody, man, whoever was sharing good information. So I wouldn't say I had like, Okay. That one person. That one in person. Reality. You was just gleaning that information from wherever you can get it, and yeah, and anyone that was it. yeah, anyone that was successful that's truly doing it, you know, there's something to be learned there. So um, I just attached onto whoever was really doing it, and you know, tried to apply that into my life. So the age-old question is, you know, how long does it take for you to get your first deal? How long did it take for you to get your first deal, Mike? Uh, for me, uh, it was 45 days. Sweet. So, so, so which I think, um, the, you know, we, we can't, you can't determine that. Right. right. Like for anybody. So if you're new, you're like, you know, obviously you're probably thinking, um, you know, by the marketing out there, it's like, get, you know, 5K, 30 days or whatever, the quick cash wholesaling. Um, if you're looking in that world, um, yes, it, it can happen quick by all means i've seen people do deals faster than their first deal less than 45 days but i've also seen people it took a year nine months yeah. um yeah. and there's a lot of variables that are included to that right so it's like they say if you have uh the more money you have the faster you can make it happen the less money you have it's going to take more time and effort so how are you what do you have what are you applying right even then it still might fall on your lap right you just gotta that's why i always don't jump into like uh, the luck thing, right? I always believe that like, yeah, there's a little, some luck out there, but, but if you're out there putting out effort and building momentum in your life, it's amazing how things just start falling yeah. in front of you. And start, you start, start collaborating and bringing, coming together. Well, I yeah. was more on the, on the, on the back end. I was like nine months to 10 months before I got my first deal. But during that time frame, I got a chance to meet a lot of awesome people mm -hmm. you know, that are really close confidants right now. And, you know, that first deal, it made it all, all a little bit more sweeter uh, because yeah. I'm, I can look back and say, man, I grinded it out for nine months and I finally got this payday and it happened. So it is real. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, that for something about that first check, you're like, wow, you know, so, and I bet you, you went through a lot, like just that nine months, man, I can only imagine uh, what was going on in your head. Just like, you know, yeah, what's, yeah. what's my wife thinking right now? Why is she probably like, why am I wasting my time uh, doing this? Right. Or yourself, yeah. like, am I wasting my time? You know? So, and it was, and one of the hardest things that I found was, you know, cause I was in a lot of the different forums and stuff like that. And it was, seeing people posting checks, you know, five grand, 10 grand, 15 grand, you know, and I'm like, man, what am I doing wrong? You know, I started second guessing myself, you know, what am I doing wrong? But lo and behold, I was like, well, I just got to push through, you know, I'm seeing these people do it. So it has to be valid. I just got to mm -hmm. push through until, you know, I break gold. So tell me, Mike, um, I know you got your first check in 45 days. Um, and they say, once you, pop that first one, you know, the second one normally comes along pretty quick, but tell me about a time where you went through a drought, man. And you're like, dude, I got to get a deal. You know, should I give up? What am I doing? 
you know, have you ever crossed that bridge where you're like, hey, I might need to give up and try something else? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Um, I would probably say that was back in like 2000. Well, it, okay, at some level, it happens a little bit every all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you can get inside your own heads. But but really, when I when I was really thinking about the whole real estate thing and, and the whole, I would probably say like 2013-ish down there. Um, it was at a point where, um, you know, I don't know, it was just like a slowdown in the market here in Phoenix, right? So everything crashed. There's a lot of momentum moving up. And then around 13, 14, whatever, it just kind of, there was a spot where it just mellowed out you know, and, and, and no one knew what was happening. Maybe it was just adjusting whatever it was. And I was at that point, I was like, do I get my real estate license? You know what I mean? You know, everyone gets that thought, yep. you know, so, um, what do I do? Do I get a job? You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's got a little slump going. So, um, but what it really was is looking back at myself and saying, um, obviously deals are still happening. Yes. You know, I've, I learned that, you know, sometimes, uh, when the market shifts, you might have to shift your strategy, right? Don't let the market determine your business, right? So you just gotta have the tools in the toolbox to kind of adapt. Um, so really I looked at myself and kind of, what am I doing with my day? Right. So am I being, am I doing the right actions every day? You know, something you got to reevaluate yourself, reevaluate your business. Uh, that's why it's always good to have, uh, friends like yourself and, and mentors, uh, kind of see what, or people that are doing well, you know, what's your company, right? So, uh, of people that you surround yourself with. So it's like getting in front of those investors that were doing well, what were they doing, figure out what were they're doing to get through this little, the slowdown. Right. So, yep. um, you know, you just got to set back sometimes, take a breather, think it through, evaluate yourself. I, I think Gary Vee always calls it self-awareness, right? So it's yep. like, um, don't lie to yourself, right? And just say, hey, I'm messing up here or I'm doing this wrong and then try to, and that's what I did. So I went in and fixed myself, you know yep. what I mean? And yep. just got back out there and then, and then never stopped since. Yeah, you just had to pivot, that's all. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to have that self-awareness and then pivot, you know, so during that time, how did you rebound? Did you, cause I know you said that you had to have the right company around you. You know, did you have other wholesalers or other investors around you that was kind of coaching you or telling you what you need to be doing or, or, or what? I would say at that time, actually what I did was, um, I wouldn't say it was just relationships, just other investors that, you know, not so much coaching or anything, just, um, just people in our community, right? So just getting out there, you know, sometimes, so as you know, there's like steps. So it's like when you start to get depressed or, or feel low on yourself, you might start slowing down. You start going to the less networking meetings. You start picking up the phone less. You kind of start Mm -hmm. going backwards, right? So I had to just get out of the funk and get out of the net, go into the networking meetings, pick up the phone more. It's just that momentum. So once you start, once you're taking action, you start, uh, Tony Robbins says, uh, motion creates emotion, right? So, so that's what it was. I was just, I was just falling into my own slump and going backwards. So I just had to get back into it, get in those conversations again, see what's happening again, see what people are doing. That's different. See what I'm doing. You know, just start exposing myself to others. And also at that time I did the, um, I went to John Astrofraff. I may have told you 
him. You remember he was in the movie, the secret. Yeah. He was one of the guys, right. So um, he's actually was the first um, broker to bring Remax uh, to $5 billion in less than five years. So that was like his, his thing. So um, I always uh, resonated with him in, in his uh, teaching. So I went and studied under him for a year. So I got to see how and he talks about like the science of business. So I got to get out of just the whole, just like, you know, you get consumed in just everything we read is real estate, yeah, right? It's yeah. like wholesaling, flipping, land. how do you do this? How do you market? How do you do this? So it was a really good refresher because it just took to business, right? And his thing was, um, you know, everyone thinks their business is different than the other person's, right? Or my, you don't understand my business. This is how we do it in real estate or this is how we do it as whatever. But he taught like just the function of a business and how to grow his business. He says all businesses are the same, right? And, he's, and it's like a science. So uh, I just learned those functions of a business. Yep. You know, and kind of that helped me because when we're, when you get into a lot of us that get into wholesaling, we weren't business owners in the past, right? We're trying to quit our job. We're trying to look for extra side hustle. We're trying to get some extra income and then get out of our job. Not everybody, but most. And um, so we don't have business training, business experience. We, we were not used to having a a no paycheck at the end of the week, Mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or, uh, health insurance already lined up so there's a there's a we don't have that experience so going into the that business training so to speak opened up a lot so so yeah so in regards to coaching yeah i didn't get coached by investors but i got coached in the business yeah because it is it is a, a big mind shift man um and i'm actually kind of pivoting now and i'm training my brain to, to look at some things a little bit differently and mm-hmm. It is. Your brain, your brain gets set on automatic. You know, I was reading, I can't even remember who I was reading, but it says that your brain and your body likes to, to make every action into a repeatable action so you don't have to think about it and, and it becomes repetition. And that's how you fall into those habit patterns. And oh, yeah. yeah, when you start beating yourself up, man, and start thinking down, it becomes a habit pattern, and especially you know, in real estate, because you're thinking, hey, I got to move from one transaction to the next transaction. And that's kind of the excitement about it is, you know, I'm working on this transaction, we're going to move to the next transaction. But it's that mindset when you either close a deal and, and then you don't see another transaction coming up, you know, on the horizon, what do you do? You know, so that's you know, stop. Definitely. Yep. Stop. Right. That, that's what Jack Canfield, uh, I learned that in one of his books, the success principle. And you start having that negative thing, stop, right? Cause you're, you're that habit. You're, you're trying to break that. That's going to be a new habit. You're going to stop when that negativity pops in, stop. Right. Wow. And that starts yep. to become a habit. Why am I thinking like this? Like sometimes, you know, um, you could come up with crazy things in your mind. Right. So it, it's messed up. It could kind of be your own enemy. So break that mm-hmm. habit start a new one and, and think about it. So I'm going to always kind of relate to, I guess this can go with fix and flip or just deal flow. Um, because look, when you're new, you're like, I got to find the deal. I got to find the deal. You're, and all you're doing is finding a deal. That's your whole life deal. And it's like, okay, I got one. All right. Put that down. Now I got to go find a buyer, 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 being a solo guy, yeah. right? So you're buyer, 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 buyer. Now all this time while you're looking for a buyer, no one's looking for a seller on the next one. Yeah. Right? So, boom. Got a buyer. Got it together. Got a deal. Right. Okay. 
start from scratch again. Seller, 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 seller. So that's what happens when you learn how to grow your business. You start to, and that's a a new habit, right? You got to get yourself into finding out how to get something running while you're looking for that buyer. Why something else is running a system or an employee or whatever it is, finding that marketing, finding that next one. Yeah. So um, when you have a job and you're got kids and you got hobbies or whatever it is, trying to fit that in, you know, you're going to need that support or, or figure that out. So that's a new habit you got to take on. So tell me about, man, tell me about which transaction had the biggest impact on your career? Um, so the one that was probably in the beginning um, as a newer investor that was kind of opened my eyes was a deal um, that we found off a of Craigslist because Craigslist was hot back. Keep on, man, getting old, man, yeah, back then. a long time ago. <laughs> back then. Um, but uh, so Craigslist was the source, right? So that's where you can source. You can sellers would actually list their house on Craigslist, right? So, um, so this guy put it had a house in Central Phoenix. He was from Northern Arizona, so he's about two hours away. And uh, he says, "I got this house. My dad used to live in. There's a squatter in there. I don't want it. I want ten grand." Now this is one of the top intersections in in, in Phoenix right now, right? Most desirable areas, and. Um, so he wanted 10K. So we went to see it. Squatter was in there. He was living in there. He said, I guess he used to, was an old friend of the, the father that was in there. Um, so we came back. We offered him uh, five grand. So we, we, we created that deal, right? Mm-hmm. So I was trying to sell it out there for 10 grand. No one wanted it, right? Because back then it was, it was a 2-1 house and it was 1930 or 40, right? So here, when everything was down, so much product everyone was buying large cookie cutters from the auction. So it's like, why am I going to buy this little crappy house? I get a three to 2000 square foot built in 90, you know? So anyway, so couldn't sell it. Then um, there's an investor that I met at a networking uh, meeting and he had was in the process. He had purchased 50 houses down one of the I 17 freeway here in Phoenix. And um, they sent it over to him and he was like, I'll take it. Right. And I was like, boom, you know, we're going to, you know, close a wholesale deal. All good. And so he goes, all right, Mike, what, do you want to own this property? You know? And I'm just like, do I still get my wholesale fee was my, <laughs> right? <It's> like, <laughs> well, right. that was my main thing. Just get me paid. Right. So, um, he's like, yeah, yeah, you'll still get paid and, and you could own it. Right. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's do it. Whatever that means. So he bought the property for 10 K right? Got my five. He then put 8K into the renovation. So we're in an 18K. So he went, you know, I'm just, in my head, I'm like, he just paid for it, did whatever he did. Right. I didn't even ask. I was just too focused on just wholesaling, just knew, just quit my job, all that stuff. So um, calls me back. He's like, all right, property's renovated. We're all in at 18K. Uh, put a renter in there at 800 bucks a month. Cool. So I, I'm now I'm going to get 25% of uh, ownership and of rents. Right. Okay. Cool. So made five up front ownership now. Cool. I didn't do anything. None of the work, anything. But a month later he calls me back. Hey Mike, you know, I'm going to refinance this property for 25 K. I'm going to, uh, and I'm going to get a, a lower interest rate and all that stuff. So I guess what it was, was he borrowed money, a hard money loan from a friend at the time it was 18%. Mm-hmm. 
um, still still affordable because it was so low, yeah, you know, so 18 low. grand, right? And then he goes, then I'm going to refi it with this lady. She's going to lower our rate down to like 12 or something or 10. And uh, she's going to let us borrow 25. And then, so he paid back to 18 and there's like seven grand left or whatever. And we split that. So I made another three grand or so right. in the back a couple months later. So now I got a front end. Now I know I'm getting in the middle cash flow, And then I even got a, a back end piece, which was, was unexpected. So now I'm looking at him and I'm going, all right, this guy took my deal, right? That we marketed and found. He used someone else's money because I never used hard money or dealing with that at the time. He used someone else's, else's money to acquire and renovate. And it wasn't even traditional hard money. Obviously, 100%. His buddy let him borrow it. High interest, so full acquisition. Private money. Yeah. So he didn't even put a, a percentage down. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, so he got the 18 grand up front, bought it, renovated it, leased it. But obviously, he used his resources and his team right. to do that. Um, then he took someone else to refi it out, pay his buddy back. So he never once put a penny, you, into, it. Put a penny into it either. So I'm like, this guy's doing what I'm doing as a wholesaler, right? Except I'm just looking for sellers and cash buyers. So basically where he's just looking for sellers or, or just wholesalers, he's just yeah. looking for deals and he has private money and he's piecing it together. Right. So that right there changed the way I thought. I'm like, man, I got paid three times on this deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was exactly. saying at some level, and I'm going to get paid every month. And he didn't use any of his own money and he got to keep the property and got paid. What am yeah. I doing wrong? Right. So I was like, now I just need to get rid of this cash buyer and replace it with private money and figure mm -hmm. that out. Right. So um, that, that deal opened my eyes in the real estate investing world um, tremendously. Okay. And, that, and that, that was very creative. I mean, because, and it was a good thing that you was open and receptive to it because most wholesalers, they'd be like, hey man, give me my, my assignment fee and they running and they're on to the next deal. You know, so thank God that you, you use wisdom was like, yeah, let's, let's look into this. You know, yeah. what's next, <laughs> you well, know, well, so. Well, let's talk about that too. There's another aspect uh, to look at that, right? One, yes, I took the time. I was like, cause I always wanted to know more. I know real estate was bigger than what I was doing, but I was focused at that time. So I, if it wasn't for him bringing that up, I wouldn't have probably said anything. Um, so you, what I would like to say about that is when you're new, um, a lot of people think, Oh, if I sound, if I, if I say this or if I say that wrong, I'm going to sound stupid or, or these investors, you are, you're automatically intimidated because we're talking about housing and hundred thousand dollars and all this stuff. And people are like, that's like someone's, we're trained to say a house is someone's biggest purchase of their life. Right. So when right. you, when you're new to the business, you're like, oh, I'm going to talk to this flipper. You know, they usually come across like, yo, this is my money. I'm taking all the risk. Yo, you need to drop your fee, blah, blah, blah. You know, I used to be like, yeah, okay, whatever. No, mm -hmm. man. You know, so, so two, two ways. I would refer to lose my, my other point is Dennis was an experienced investor. And he said that cause he, he liked, like me, whatever, but, um, we want to help like Marcus, you want to help. I want to help. Like if I, if you're, if you're just keeping it real, you're doing the job, you're doing what you have to do. You're just trying to make it work. I mean, I'll answer any question. You know what I'm saying? No, so it's no. like, so investors want to help. He saw, I, cause I, we've been selling this guy properties. He, he, he also may have looked at it like one, he was just genuine and wanted to help. 
And two, he's probably like, man, I just bought a bunch of houses from this guy. You know, let me, you know, show him something. Let's build this relationship to the next level. And I, I've done multiple deals with him since then, still hang out with him to this day and still own that property with him. Right. So perfect. And now he's the, the looking, the looking over time, which is hard to see the future. What's that thing? Uh, when you're in the beginning, you're looking in the forest where you should be looking yep. over. Um, now just to let you know, he's retiring, he's winding down. He's selling all, he's selling other 50, some like 50 of those properties. He's selling 25 of them. And he's taking all that profit because the market increased so much here right. in Phoenix. He's going to be able to pay off all his 25 oh other God. ones, mm-hmm. own them free and clear, have some extra money in his pocket, and then he's done. Right? So he bought them when I first met him, and he's selling them now. And, that, and that's the strategy. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole yeah. goal is to find a way to retire off of real estate. You know, and it's it's you have to do some things on the front end, you know, and, and trek down that journey and may take you eight, 10, even 15 years. But, you know, who, who doesn't want to retire in 15 years versus waiting 30, 40 years to retire, you know, on pennies. Yeah. So, so, so he bought 50, over 50 houses with other people's monies, other people, he, he wasn't a marketer. Like he didn't have direct mail and signs and, whatever marketing there was at that time, he did it all from agents and wholesalers, right? He bought from, so he never did marketing. He used other people's money. He just pieced it all together. And now he's in retire off that. Perfect. Perfect. So now, right now, Mike, what is, what is like your major source of funding? Is it private money, hard money, you know, um, is it just the wholesale income kind of what's, What's your source of funding? Guys, so when it comes to uh, funding, like if, if it's a deal where we're going to take down, like obviously yep. either to clean it up and re-wholesale it or whatever it is or rent it, um, that type of funding is private. Okay. okay. So so like I said, over the years, through guys like I mentioned and, and other training that I've got, I learned how to raise private capital. And obviously, to keep it simple, it's just through uh, people with IRAs. 401ks, um, which I'm sure, you know, a lot of people are aware of. So if anyone um, has, is retired or, or has a, a job, they have a 401k or an IRA, they can use that IRA to fund businesses and real estate deals. Especially with the fluctuation in the markets now, man, down 500 points, up 300 points, down 300 points, you know, every day. And, and it, the market is swinging, you know, just by a text or a tweet. You know, mm-hmm. so, oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, all of that volatility, people don't like it, and and real estate is always something that's stable, even during the crash. Yes, people lost thousands of dollars, but look at those houses now. Just you know, ten years later, are above you know pre-crash price. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah man. So, yeah. So, so real estate, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's the the lender that just lent um, on my last two deals, and that's what's great about it, right? So traditionally thinking, right? So you're thinking as a new investor, if you never raised money or you're looking for funding, where's the first thing you think? Bank. Okay. Uh, I don't, well, I don't have the credit. I don't have the down payment. I don't got this. I don't got that. Whatever it is. Well, one, right. That's one of those negative habits to figure out how to fix it. Right. Cause you should get money from the bank if you can. And, and then I know you got some good relationships. Um, so, so that's one. 
or the other one is hard money when you start the business, right? So it's, it's right now, I'd probably say in Phoenix, it's 10 to 20% down and then they'll lend, um, at, you know, 10 to 12% interest only. Right. Yep. So if a hundred thousand dollar deal, if that was even the case, you're coming up with, let's just say 15, 20 grand down out of your pocket. And then you got to pay, you know, 10 to 12% a month, thousand bucks or whatever it is. So, um, whereas private money, people with IRAs, they're, they're not in the business. They're not, Oh, they're not keen to all the terms and lingo they, you know, it's a new deal. It's a new structure, right? So, so it's like breaking the habit again, yep, right? Yep. We're getting out of the, we're getting out of the little box and we're going to the IRA people that just want their money to make money. They want to, they want it to be safer. Um, and they're a different type of person. They work nine to five. They love their job. They have a career, whatever it is. So, um, and they, but they've been growing their money there. Maybe you look for people that are five years from retirement or whatever it is, and they know they need to catch up with inflation and all these scenarios. Um, they want, they have a certain lifestyle that they want to keep. Right. Yep. Once you leave that job, depending on whatever social security pension, wherever you're at, some people have none of that. Um, you're going to go from whatever X amount a month down to whatever the government will give you or whatever you have coming in from wherever. So, um, they want to maintain that lifestyle. So owning real, you know, owning part of getting income from real estate is, um, interesting to them and appealing. It so, is. And that's, that's one of the things that I see, you know, since I've been doing it, you know, I was, you know, like you, the guy, Hey, just got to move on to the next deal, the next deal, the next deal. And it was just creating a really, really stressful job. You know, and then some of them, I was like, okay, well, let me take this income that I'm making and let me start putting that down on owning some of these properties, you know, and now, you know, I'm buying duplexes and buying single families, you know, to where I'm putting hardly anything down and I'm getting a thousand dollars a month or, you know, 600 bucks a month off of those properties. So now if I don't close that next wholesale transaction, I'm not running around pulling my hair out. You know, I'm not on fire. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because we still have that, that rental income coming in. So we're looking to do some more things, you know, but that's one of the things that I try and tell people. So moving on, Mike, and one of the things that I, that I love to ask is, how do you think the investing that you're doing is impacting the community that you're in? The, okay. The invest, okay, so investing as in um, renting, right? Yep. Um, I, my goal is to provide safe, clean, affordable housing, right? So that, that meaning, because that's, especially here in Phoenix, that's starting to become a, pro a problem. We're, tens of thousands of people are moving here. Jobs are happening. Growth is happening. Um, rents are raising. Pre houses values are raising. So um, the key here is for me is to have affordable housing in, in the major, in, in Phoenix, not on the outskirts of town. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I impact people's lives by not being a slumlord. You could, you don't have to like, even in, like I was mentioning the sunny slope area, I have some rentals. It's like the, the clientele is changing because they want to be close to downtown. Um, whereas if you want to be in this, you know, within the vicinity for a one bedroom in these nicer apartments, you're paying a thousand bucks bucks. Whereas um, yes, my place isn't brand new and is nice, but it's well-maintained, very clean. 
and in the, and the rents are affordable where you're not stressing out, you know, you can still live in the city and don't have to drive, get to the, go to the outskirts. Um, you know what I mean? So I think by not being a slumlord, cause there's a lot, there's a lot of deferred maintenance out here when you're shopping yeah. for properties, man. And, 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 but I get it. Like I, I got, you know, a lot of these investors that you start to, to buy from on like older homes or multifamily is, you know, they just stop covering the repairs. You know, they give cheap rents and some people will trade off for a, a hole in the wall and a leak, you know, and old appliances for that cheap rent. They'll put up with it. Yeah. And then, and if you don't want to put up with it, you can go and the renter will just, the landlord will just keep that as they get older, they pay less expenses, keep more in their pocket. Um, that's what I found through a lot of, um, a lot of landlords we've bought in from. So, uh, I, I, I take pride in not being that person. So someone has a good place to live. Okay. So starting over, I know you've been doing this for, you know, 10, 10 plus years, starting over day one, what would you do differently um, than when you did when you first started? What I would do differently. Okay. Um, if I, okay. There's ways to get involved, right? So obviously the traditional way again is in a way of life, it just happens in which it's a good path. Hey, I want a wholesale figure it out, get the lingo, make some money. Then I'm going to get my flip and then I'm going to make some bigger money. And then I'm going to buy my first rental. That's kind of like what you hear and what happens a lot. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but just like kind of like the story I told you about uh, understanding the cash flow, um, I would just figure out, because especially looking back to when everything was so cheap when I started, I would say, understand, I obviously figure out how to find houses, right? Wherever you're going to get them from, get the money. Mm -hmm. and then get the cash flow you know what i mean like yeah. i would just go rather than saying hey i need to go through all these levels to become a landlord like so that's what i tell people now when i'm, when I'm helping new people down at azria i'm just like what's your investor identity what do you want well i just want to wholesale so i can become a landlord right which is fine but it's like why go why don't you just figure out how to become a landlord, be a landlord. exactly get a, get a mentor that's a landlord work for a landlord uh figure out how to get the private capital, right? And just start buying the cash flow. You know, I would say building your rental portfolio is slower. Like I always say, it's like wholesaling is like fast cash. And, and I've noticed like landlording could be like planting seeds and, and, and watering it, but it's like, uh, just go out and get the money, figure out how to be that end person that you want to be. I'll just done that immediately rather okay. than try to figure it all out going down all these avenues. right so instead instead of taking the, the so-called traditional approach you know step one two three four and five if you know you want to get to step five figure out how to get to step five you know without trying to go through all of those other steps gotcha. yeah, and, if I, and if i could add something man like uh since if this is like uh to some new viewers um everyone wants to quit their job of course i agree so it's like quit everyone wants to get out of there however you have a huge advantage. If you are watching this, you are working nine to five, you're cool with your job, or maybe you're getting tired of whatever it is. You got a huge advantage over a lot of investors. You got W2 income yep. and you got money coming in, right? So you could save money. Uh, the banks like to see money coming in and you got, and as long as you work on your credit and you got good credit, uh, you can get a loan. So you can go buy that first rental property while you're at your job. You don't have to, you know what I'm saying, um, make a million or whatever 
whatever you get caught up in the shiny things that are out there, you don't have to quit your job. Um, take advantage of your job. If you're in a good situation, um, work it, you know, get a couple rentals under your, your belt and take advantage of that, uh, that situation you're in with the banks and then you build a relationship with the bank. So when you do quit your job, you have a couple rentals, you already got a relationship with the bank and you just yep. keep it rolling. So, and that's, that's one of the things that people always say is, Hey, I want to quit my job. I want to quit my job. And which is all fine and dandy, but she, having that W2 income really helps you build that portfolio and really helps you do things a lot faster versus, you know, that's a bank taking a risk, you know, on somebody that don't have any income coming in. You know, yeah. So if you wanted to get like a, if you had your, if you happen to own your own home, you might be able to get a home equity line of credit. Maybe you could pull 20, 30, 40 grand. You just get options. You got these, some of these options where, yeah. Hey man, it hasn't always been um, great for me. You know, like, you know, you go, like we, we talked about my slump back in 13. So it's like, um, yeah, just, just having those, those, those resources. What do you think is your greatest commodity outside of capital what's what's the biggest thing that you need outside of money in order to be you know continue along your journey uh outside of money oh yeah for sure you got to believe in yourself man okay i I mean really it's like you got to know you can do it no matter like a lot of our conversation was about how you think and and that how that can take you backwards and get you can get in a slump real quick um i think just you know family support people around you, whoever you're hanging around, they got to support what you're doing. They got to believe in you. You got to believe in yourself. Um, and you got to be consistent. I mean, these are some, these characteristics are the, the biggest thing. Um, even when things are tough, you just, you, you pound through, you just keep making your calls, you keep writing your offers. Um, you got to have that, that grit. Yep. You know? Yep. That grit and so. persistence. Okay. So, so Mike, I know you're doing some more innovative things, man. You're always moving, changing, pivoting. So tell me about this call center that you guys are working on. What, what is it? How can we be a part of it? Kind of, kind of take us down that path that you're on. Got it, man. So, um, so that, that, that path started just by once again, being in the business, you know, a year and a half ago, I was on Mojo, right? Just uploading out my own list, trying to make calls myself to getting, you know, some help, getting some uh, new sales reps to try to make some calls for you. So um, to once again, man, the, how life works, man. So uh, I have, I, when I say wireless industry and mortgage industry, that was all call center based. So I have relationships from there. So long story short, I connected with an old person from 10 years, 15 years ago that actually is still in the call center business and they, they own a call center in Mexico. Okay. So just, we reconnected. What are you doing? Told them how I'm making calls. And then this ends up, yo, I got a call center. <laughs> you <laughs> want me to call for you? You know what I mean? Right. So just started to evolve that, um, that relationship. So after, um, getting to know more about his business and him getting to know more, more about, uh, the whole real estate business, we just joint ventured, right? Okay. So we just merged our two companies so which made me uh, part owner in his company. He owns part of the wholesale company. So we're leveraging that in our business, right? Uh, for our own real estate business, the, the reps. But we also have all types of other clients um, in different industries. Like we're, we have some successful people in the mortgage industry, um, real estate industry. 
um, some commercial like construction industries. So there's, we have different types of clients. It's not all real estate clients, but we do have a lot of, uh, all, all our clients right now are out of state, but, um, yeah, anyways, man. So lead gen, if you need appointment setting, lead generation of any sort, um, we, we do the hiring, the training, the recruiting, uh, we have all the technology, so you don't need to use the mojo anymore or anything like that. So, um, yeah, just reach out. Um, we can, I'll probably just hook you up with my partner Scott because he he'll break all that. Okay. That so as so as an so as a investor or someone that's listening to the show, and they're like, hey, you know what? Direct mail isn't working for me anymore. Uh, I want to move over to doing some cold calling. Um, the best thing they need to do is get in touch with you, Mike. You'll be able to do the cold calling. Your center, you know, you guys. I'm sure you guys call throughout the country. Um, so I'll make sure I have that contact information in the show notes below. Um, so how successful has it been for you with the call center and is it working in your real estate business? Yeah, def definitely is. Um, like, like I stopped direct mail bandit signs. I stopped all that. And then, you know, with the, all the ravers, the, the RVMs, the texts and, and the cold calling. Um, but you know, since it, since like year, a few years ago, right? You know, you go to the seller's house, there's 20 yellow letters there, right? Yep. So that was what you're bumping into. Then you start everything over the last year and a half or so starts migrating to cold calling and all this new technology. Um, so that's like the big fuss. Now it's like, oh, I got 20 text messages, 20 voicemails, 20 phone calls. Um, so I am kind of dipping in and doing a little bit of direct mail now again. Okay. Um, but we're still doing it all. But you know, but if I was to say right now, uh, cold calling is my best lead source. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay. And in, in the drop in the key though is always follow up, right? Because yeah, you're going to get a couple, every you will get those low hanging fruits here and there, but majority of all that deals I have in escrow right now are 3 3 to 6 months of follow up. Follow up. Follow getting up. people at the right time. Um so if you if you're going to put any money and effort in calling whether it's Mojo or whatever it is or any any marketing, you yeah. got to what's in the kick is, is the follow up. So, and, and I can, I can attest to that because the latest property that we took down um, actually was a duplex that we renovated and everything like that, getting awesome cash flow. Well, I, I had talked to the seller about a year ago and he listed it on the MLS. We couldn't come to terms, you know, on the money. He listed it on the MLS and one day I was going back through my database and I said, you know what, let me follow up on this just to see. Cause it was actually a one-off. It wasn't something that I marketed to or anything like that. I just happened to find it on an MLS mm -hmm. and it was expired on an MLS. So I was like, you know what, dude, let me call this guy. Let me actually, I sent him a yellow letter, just one single yellow letter. Hey man, I, I see you took the duplex off the MLS. It didn't sell. Are you guys still considering selling it or were you considering just holding on to it? Why did you, you know, let the listing expire? Yeah. And I was like, if this guy calls me back, I'm buying this property, <laughs> you know? There you go. And, uh, he called me back, you know, a few days later and we, we worked everything out. We bought it and it's one of my best performing properties right now, you know? So again, it's with that follow up, you know, touching people multiple times, you know, in order to get that deal done. And that, that's one of the strategies, right? You can go on MLS, link up with the realtor, get the expired from the last three months, right? You get all the homeowner's name, skip, trace them, throw them in your call. Yep. Start calling them, text them, 
mailing them, whatever it is, whatever you're capable of doing. Um, yeah, man. So tell me, Mike, wonderful interview, man. You gave us some good points, some good nuggets. How can we get in touch with you? How can, how can our listeners reach Mike Del Pre? Perfect. So just real quick on the, the call center, it's, it's callcentered.com, which I'll, like, I'll, I'll get that over to you. Um, and our contacts on there for that behalf. But me, I'm just keeping it simple. I'm really focusing on my Instagram account, right? So it's just at Michael Delpreet. So I know you'll, you'll probably spell that right. Um, yep. But just follow me on there. Uh, direct message me, follow, whatever it is. Let's just start engaging. And yeah, I've been, I've been seeing some things you've been putting out there on Instagram and some engaging stuff. So yeah, absolutely, Mike. Guys, everything that we talked about as far as Mike's contact with the call center, Instagram, things of that nature will be down in the show notes. So make sure you, you know, if you want to reach out to Mike, hit him up there through Instagram, slide into his DMs or whatever, you know, and <laughs> yep. definitely reach out to him. So Mike, before wrapping up, man, any last pointers or anything like that you want to give our listeners? Um, it's one thing I've been uh, being conscious of telling myself every day is um is one i say this sentence uh what's the opportunity that this is right so anytime you, you face a struggle or um or any situation that's new to you and you're 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 dwelling on what, what's the opportunity where's the opportunity there you just got to get in the habit again of asking yourself what's that opportunity uh well same my mentor john he would always say um the, the uh the opportunity, oh, look on the brighter side of things because that's where the opportunity is. Yep. So sometimes you can get in this funk, like negative thinking and all that. So just try to step back from yourself and look at the situation and say, where's the real, the good here, you know, so. I'm going to piggyback off of that, man. And I don't know if you read this book, but it's called The Obstacle is the Way. I can't even remember no. who it's by, but he talks about how when you face obstacles, that's normally the path that you're supposed to go down because resistance builds character and character, you know, builds who you are. So mm -hmm. when you get a chance, man, read that book, Obstacle is the Way. It's Will awesome. Do. It really Love made it. me change my perspective on when I face tough, tough situations. So awesome. Mike, I appreciate it, man. Thank you again. I know yeah, you're a, a fan favorite. Uh, so cool. I'm gonna let you go. And Thank you, man. Guys, this is Mike Delpreet, Marcus Maloney, signing off with We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items, and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash Maloney, Twitter at Maloney, and of course, IG at Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family.
always enjoy the journey.